Isaiah 66 Ishayahu Heaven is my throne, says Adonai, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house could you build for me? What sort of place could you devise for my rest? Well, there goes the temple. <laughs> so many Jews thinking about the third temple. Adonai makes it very clear, there is no temple. He did not want the first, nor did he want the second. Have you never read Second Samuel 7? Adonai rebukes David with the exact same word. Did I ever ask you for a temple? No. Adonai instructed Moshe to build a temporary tabernacle to give them the idea of how he will dwell in us once we are sanctified. Yeshua said, Destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Two thousand years plus a thousand years. Three thousand years. For we know that at the eighth day, at the end of the messianic millennium, the Shekinah glory will descend with the new Yerushalayim and we will be the living stones in that city and he will dwell in us. We will be the jewels in his high priest ephod, much like the high priest mentioned in the book of Shemot and Vaikra, Exodus and Leviticus. Everything that God does comes from the Torah. There is nothing Christian in that book, and there is nothing Jewish about it. It's not a Jewish thing. God created the universe before Judah was even a thought, before Adam even was. This is a God thing. He created us to be his jewels, something that he wears as ornaments to delight in, to look upon, to brag about. And that's our purpose in life, to be his jewels, Jew-ers. So you could say that everyone is destined to be a Jew of El. <laughs> but then again, not the kind of Jew that you see with their lust for money and riches, but the kind of Jew that actually trembles at the word of God. Trembles, fears and does what he says. And we will see that in the next couple of verses. So he says, Did I not make myself all these things? This is how they all came to be. Adonai made the earth. What kind of house can you build for him? You cannot build him a temple that can, you know, encompass him. The universe is his creation. He is bigger than the universe. The kind of person on whom I look with favor is one with a poor and humble spirit who trembles at my word. There you go. Do I really need to keep on reading? The kind of person on whom I look with favor is one with a poor and humble spirit. See, Yeshua never invented this. He quoted Isaiah 66. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, there you go. Who trembles at my word. Do you tremble at his word? Most of you take it so lightly and casual. Think it's some sort of a sci-fi book club that you enjoy reading daily on your churches and synagogues. You don't tremble. You know, the Hebrew word for tremble is chared. Hence the name of the stream of Orthodox Judaism called Haredim. The ones with the black hats, the black suit, they call themselves Haredim. 
yet none of them actually Haredim at the word of God. They don't tremble. <laughs> they don't take him seriously. Or else they would stop all this godlessness with their black hats, black suits, and actually keep the Torah. Adonai said, do not add anything to what I tell you. Do not subtract. Keep everything written in the book of the Torah. He says so very specifically. There is no oral Torah. The oral Torah is the written Torah passed down orally from one generation to another. Fathers, raise up your sons. Talk to them when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you go outside, when you lie back home, when you eat, when you sleep, when you shower. Tell them about the works of Adonai, about the miracles, about everything he has done. When they ask you, what is the meaning of these stones? Tell them, Adonai split the Yarden River so that we crossed on dry land. Adonai redeemed us from Egypt. Therefore, we redeem every firstborn and give it to Adonai. You have to teach that to your sons. They don't know. They were not there. It is your responsibility. And if you actually tremble at his word, you would do exactly what he says. And I like the next verse, verse 3, when he says, Those others, meaning anyone who does not tremble at his word and has a poor and humble spirit, might as well kill a person as an ox, break a dog's neck as sacrifice a lamb, offer pig's blood as a grain offering, bless an idol as burn incense. Pretty much what he's saying is, unless you fall into that first category, it really doesn't matter what you do, because I've already rejected you. You already removed yourself from the covenant. You removed yourself from my chosen holy people. So it doesn't matter. You might as well kill a person as an ox, bring me some dog blood, pig's blood, blessing. It doesn't matter. You're going to hell. <laughs> and he says, just as these have chosen their ways and enjoy their disgusting practices, so I will enjoy making fools of them. Ah, and bring on them the very things they fear. Climate change, global warming, AI takeover, famine, floods, fires. Papa is very practical. God is practical. <laughs> it's not a fantasy book. Look at the things he says. Just listen to his wisdom, his wit. You gotta remember, God has a sense of humor and he is just. He will bring on you exactly what you feel because you have rejected the truth. You want some extraterrestrial threats and comets and solar flares? Oh, don't worry. He's got plenty of those coming your way. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? That's exactly what we say every day. We preach to all these people, give them the word of God. Nobody cares. They don't listen. They don't hear. Instead, they did what was evil in my sight and chose what did not please me. Abomination parade, which you call gay parade, waving your rainbow flag. See, they think that they came up with this rainbow flag. No, this is actually from God as a witness against you because remember the covenant he made with Noah. He set a rainbow in the heavens to remind us that never again will the earth be flooded with water, but rather next time, it's gonna be fire. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. You better get ready and bear this in mind. 
God showed Noah a rainbow sign. Won't be water but fire next time. Verse 5. Hear the word of Adonai, you who tremble at his word. If you don't tremble, this is not for you. Your brothers who hate you and reject you because of my name have said, Oh, let Adonai be glorified so we can see your joy. Mockery. But they will be put to shame. You hear that uproar in the city? The sound from the temple? This is the sound of Adonai repaying his foes what they deserve. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Before going into labor, she gave birth. Before her pains came, she delivered a male child. Who ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Is a country born in one day? Is a nation brought forth all at once? For as soon as Zion went into labor, she brought forth her children. Would I let the baby break through and not be born? asks Adonai. Would I, who caused the birth, shut the womb? asks your God. Remember, Adonai is the source of life. He is the only God. There is no other God. Doesn't matter your religion. There is one God. There is one creator. yod Hey, vav Hey. We say Adonai out of reverence, not to pronounce his full name because it is just too holy for common speech. That's why in English you say Lord, in Hebrew you say Adonai. We don't pronounce his name, it's too holy. yod Hey vav Hey. That's how you spell it. It doesn't have a W, it doesn't have a J. yod Hey vav Hey. Now he says, verse 10, Rejoice with Yerushalayim. Be glad with her, all you who love her. Now he's talking about the restoration after the punishment. Rejoice, rejoice with her, all of you who mourned for her. Because remember, God is the God of restoration. He will punish, sure. He will destroy the wicked, sure. But there is always a remnant, and he will always restore the remnant, because that is just who he is. So that you nurse and are satisfied by her comforting breast, drinking deeply and delighting in the overflow of her glory. For Adonai says, I will spread shalom over her like a river. Wow. And the wealth of nations, like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried in her arm and cuddled in her lap. Talking about Yerushalayim, that's the the city. This is where we will dwell with him. And you think about it, that really is the bride of Messiah. In Revelation it says, He saw the new Yerushalayim descending out of heaven, out of God, adorned like a bride for her husband. In the parable of the wedding banquet, We are the guests. We were invited to the wedding that a father arranged for his son. See, we are grafted in to Yerushalayim to become a part of the bride. We are the guests. The Yerushalayim is the bride. And we are the Yerushalayim. We are the living stones. Like I said in the beginning, the gems, the jewels in his city, on his priestly ephod. Like someone comforted by his mother, I will comfort you. In Yerushalayim, you will be comforted. Now again, he's talking about those who tremble at his word. Remember who this is addressing. This is not a public message. This is very specific for very specific people. Your heart will rejoice at the sight. Your bodies will flourish like newly sprouted grass. 
it will be known that the hand of Adonai is with his servants. Hallelujah. With his servants. Are you a servant? Do you actually have a relationship with him? Are you on the payroll? Do you do what he say? Do you serve him? No. Many of you serve religion. You go to a synagogue, a service, a temple, a church. You have no service of Adonai. You do not do his will. You do not even seek his will to know what to do. You are all liars. But anyway, but with his enemies, his fury. Ah, verse 15. For look, Adonai will come in fire and his chariots will be like the whirlwind to render his anger furiously, his rebuke with blazing fire. Now this is talking about the day of the Lord, the second coming, if you will. Yeshua used the exact same words because Yeshua is the word of God, manifested in flesh here on this earth, but he represented God. It's like you listening to this message right now. You are listening to me, but not really. I'm not electronic. It's not me, it's my word. Pre-recorded. So God recorded his word in living form. So it was live, living in flesh. So it's God, and yet it's not fully God. It's his message coming forth. For Adonai will judge all humanity with fire and with the sword. And those slain by Adonai will be many. Now take a moment and let that sink. Adonai will judge all humanity with fire and with the sword. There you go, global warming, fires, floods, earthquakes. Those slain by Adonai will be many. Wow. Now listen to the next verse, because that is powerful. Those who consecrate and purify themselves in order to enter the gardens and then follow the one who was already there eating what? Pig meat, reptiles, mice, shrimp, and everything unclean will, listen to this, all be destroyed together, says Adonai. Who said this? Did I say it? No. Did Ishayao say it? No. yod hey vav hey. All those who follow the one who was already there, eating pig meat, bacon, ham, pork, shrimp, reptiles, mice, anything unclean, will all be destroyed together, says Adonai. Now listen, there is an urgent, important message for all you Christians out there that think that you can keep eating your bacon and enter the kingdom. You cannot. Isaiah 65, the earlier chapter, says in verse 2, I spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who live in a way that is not good, who follow their own inclinations. Well, that's you. That's all of you. A people who provoke me to my face all the time, sacrificing in gardens and burning incense on bricks. Now, originally, he was talking to Israel and the Jews, but now it's everybody. They sit among the graves and spend the night in caverns. They eat pig meat 
and their pots hold soup made from disgusting things. I don't know where you get this from, but Adonai never said you can eat unclean food. Yeshua himself said, the word of God in the flesh said, not one yod nor a stroke of a pen will be removed from the Torah until all is completed, until the heaven and earth pass away. He said, I did not come to abolish the Torah, but to fulfill it. Do not take what he said when he said it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of it as an excuse to eat unclean foods. No, he was making the point. It is not just what goes in, but more important is what comes out, for we are spirit beings. But we are still occupying a fleshly vehicle. If you have a very fancy car, you do not put that unleaded arco low-grade fuel in that thing. You only put the high-grade, the expensive, the clean, the pure fuel in that vehicle. Yeshua called us to be priests, to be Kohanim to Adonai, to be his brothers in the kingdom. And with that comes the laws of purification, of sanctification, of being holy and consecrated to God. Do you not know in Revelation nothing impure will ever enter the city? Well, if you keep eating unclean animals and we know that you are what you eat, how do you expect that God will allow you to enter his sanctuary? When you smell like pigs, you look like pigs. You are made from pigs. Doesn't make sense. See, but many of you, again, you, you misquote things you do not understand. You will go and, and tell me, Well, what about First Timothy chapter 4? When the Apostle Paul said, Hold on, stop right there. First off, who is the Apostle Paul? Is he God? Does he have any authority to overrule what God said? No, so calm down. Second of all, are you Timothy? Because last I checked, that letter was written to Timothy, a very specific person who lived at a very specific time. Are you the addressee of this letter? No, it's not written for you. So why do you shove your nose into other people's mail? Do you always go into other people's mail and, and assume it is written for you? Pick up a random letter on the street where a personal trainer tells his clientele, well, you should eat six eggs a day because so da 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 da. And you say, oh, well, that personal trainer says I should eat six eggs a day. No, he wasn't talking to you. Are you malnutritioned? Are you underweight? Do you have an absence of protein in your body? He wasn't talking to you. You can't take something that was written for a specific person at a specific time and apply it to your life thinking that you even understand what he was talking about. That is foolishness, not wisdom. He was not talking to you and it does not apply to you. He was talking to a specific man whom he knew, someone who understood the context of what Paul was talking about. You have no idea. And yet you're so arrogant to pretend that you do. Well, he said in, in verse uh, 3, they forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods which God created to be eaten with 
thanksgiving by those who have come to trust and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing received with thanksgiving need to be rejected, because the word of God and prayer make it holy. Now, third point. You have no idea what I just read. The word of God and prayer make it holy. Things who are created by God to be eaten. Go back to Vaikra chapter 11, you know, the book you like to ignore. Leviticus chapter 11, talking about what is food, what is not food. Paul was a Jewish man from the sect of the Perushim, the Pharisees. He was the student of Gamliel, one of the highest regarded teacher of Torah in the Jewish community of his days. He knew his Torah. You do not. When Paul said, abstinence from foods which God created to be eaten, he wasn't talking about the things that are not food. Not all animals are food. He said in verse 5, the word of God make it holy. Well, what is the word of God? Well, the Torah, obviously the Torah is the word of God. What did the word of God make holy? Sheep, oxen, goats, chicken, you know the list. Everything that has a split hoof, split calf, choose the cud. He says the pig is unclean for you. The camel is unclean for you. The rabbit is unclean for you. Anything in the ocean like shrimp and crabs and lobster is unclean for you. It's not even food. When Paul says refrain from everything that is food, he's not talking about these things because they are not even food. But again, you are so arrogant and ignorant, you are the real AI, arrogant, ignorant, to think you understand something that was not even written for you. What are you doing? This was a private letter to someone who understood what was being said. You do not. And yet you based your entire religion on a private letter that was written to a specific person 2,000 years ago that you have no idea who he was and what he knew and understood. And by the way, that is most of the New Testament letters written to different people, the Messianic followers in Galatia, in Corinth, the Jews in Rome, the Hebrews, all of those letters were exactly what they are, letters. They are not the word of God. They are letters of people talking about the word of God. Much like me talking about the word of God right now. It's not the word of God. It's me talking about the word of God. Don't go and base your entire religion on the quotations of what I say about the Word of God. That is called third-party, third-hand religion. No. Go to the source. Paul was talking about the Torah, what you call Old Testament, and ignore. And again, that goes for pretty much all of the books of what you call New Testament, whether it is the testimonies, the Gospels, or the rest of it. Even the book of Revelation was written by Yohanan, the disciple, and it encapsulates all of these prophetic chapters, such as Isaiah 66. So again I say, there is no New Testament, Old Testament. It is the same book from beginning to end. 
there is just the word of God and people talking about the word of God. But again, those are private letters written for specific people who were already followers in whom the Holy Spirit already dwelt. You people are not followers. No, you counter the Lord through those private letters thinking that is your religion. No, that is for the people who already knew the Torah, understood the context, and had the Holy Spirit to give them understanding and revelation into the things that they are reading, which were written by other people in whom the Holy Spirit dwelt. The Holy Spirit is the connector. He is the teacher. That's why he meant when he said you need not a teacher. You have the Holy Spirit. Well, you people do not have the Holy Spirit. That's why you do need a teacher, someone to point you to the Holy Spirit so that you could receive the Holy Spirit. But again I say, it does not apply to you. Stop reading other people's mail. Go back to the Word of God. Keep His Torah. And you cannot take the parts that you like and separate it from the parts that you don't to try to establish a new religion and say, we are not under the law but under grace. There is no such thing. You do not even understand what grace is. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card so that you could continue to sin, continue to be immoral, continue to eat unclean animals, continue to violate the Sabbath, and be justified. No. All that grace is, is to give you enough time to get it together, learn the Word of God, and obey it before it is time for you to check in at the courthouse for your judgment. It gives you enough time to turn your life around before judgment is coming over your head, because God is just. He will not exonerate the guilty, and He will not punish the innocent. No, but His grace gives you time, and that's what Peter said. If you're already talking about the letters, he said the grace of God gives many the opportunity for repentance, because we should be dead long ago. The wages of sin are death. That's what the Torah said. If you sin, you die. Yet God gives us time to repent and turn around before he brings judgment. And that is what grace means. That is it. That's what Ezekiel 18 is all about. If the wicked turns righteous, his wickedness will be forgotten. If the righteous turns wicked, his righteousness will be forgotten. Adonai says, do I delight in the death of the wicked? No, <laughs> but that he turn from his wicked ways and live. Why do you not get this? He wants you to turn away from your wicked ways. He doesn't give you grace to continue living your wicked ways. See, you take that concept, what Paul said about being free, and again, you pervert it. The freedom in Messiah does not mean freedom from the Torah. It does not mean freedom from God. No. 
it means the freedom to keep the Torah. The freedom to obey God. The freedom from the lust of the flesh, from the addiction to sin. The freedom from all of that so that you could actually live a holy life in accordance with God's holy, perfect Torah that tells you to be clean, to eat clean foods, to keep his Shabbat, to be holy, to not have sex outside of marriage, to not cut yourself and ink yourself with tattoos, to not worship graven images in the shape of a cross or a dead man or a rabbi or you name it. He gives you the freedom from all of these things so that you could be holy. You pervert the entire message, but then again, those letters were not written for you, so why do you even read them? Read the word of God, which is the Torah. But that's not what you do. You pretend to be a follower of Yeshua, calling yourself Messianic, which translates into Christian, from the word Christ, which is Messiah, anointed one of God, Mashiach. You present yourself as someone who follows Yeshua, and yet you dismiss everything that Messiah taught, which is the word of God. Therefore, you bring reproach on the word of God. Because now the Jews that might have been delivered and might have gotten to know Yeshua, they look at you and they say, oh, is that what Christianity is about? Oh, you can eat pork and these things? No, 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 no. That Yeshua, he must have been a heretic. Because if his followers, I mean, you're not really followers, but as far as they are concerned, you present yourself as a follower because you bear the name Jesus. And then you say, oh, well, we, we can eat whatever we want. So they think, well, that Jesus must have been a heretic. Because, well, you are his follower and you claim that he said that you can eat pork. So he can't have been a Torah observing rabbi, which he was, by the way, because again, he said himself, not one yod or a stroke of a pen will be removed from the Torah, the word of God, the law, the instructions. But you remove it and then you put that blame on him, profaning his name. And what do you think he is going to do to you? Have you already forgot what I read to you in Isaiah 66? He's coming to judge you with blazing fire and a sword. Those who are slain by Adonai will be many. Those who eat pig meat, reptiles and mice will all be destroyed together. Hello, McFly, anybody home? He's talking about you. You are the ones going to be destroyed. This is for you. This is your warning. And most likely your final warning. Because if you reject this message, do not expect another one to come your way. No. But I go on in Isaiah 66 verse 18. For I know their deeds and their thoughts. The time is coming when I will gather together all nations and languages. They will come and see my glory. Now those are the ones who repent at the end. We know at the very end there will be a major group coming from the great tribulation. That's what John saw in the vision in Revelation. Those who repented. And I will give them a sign. I will send some of their survivors to the nations of Tarshish, Pul, Lud, Tuval, Greece, distant coasts, where they have neither heard of my name nor seen my glory. See, the ones who remain will be sent to preach and proclaim. They will proclaim my glory in those nations. And, listen to this, they will bring 
all your kinsmen out of all the nations as an offering to Adonai. That's the return of the exile, what he said, when Yeshua said, I come back to bring back from the four corners of the earth all the children of Israel. They will bring them back to Israel. And horses, chariots, wagons, mules, camels, to my holy mountain, Yerushalayim, says Adonai. Just as the people of Israel themselves bring their offerings in clean vessels to the house of Adonai. Hallelujah. See, he will bring us back, those in the diaspora, as something clean, as an offering to Adonai. And I will also take Kohanim and Leviim from them, says Adonai. For just as the new heavens and the new earth that I am making, there you go, see, John did not make this up in Revelation. Adonai said it himself, new heavens, new earth. It's nothing new. It's not something Christian. It was written 2,500 years ago, long before Revelation, in the book of Isaiah, Ishayahu. I'm making new heavens and new earth, and they will continue in my presence, says Adonai. So will your descendants and your name continue. See, many people wonder throughout history, how are the Jews still alive? Think about it. Every generation, somebody tries to kill us. Hitler was not the first. <laughs> Remember Spanish Inquisition? Remember Haman in Persia? The story of Purim? Remember so many other events? All the pogroms and the massacres, the slaughter of the Jews? Throughout all history, pretty much, we have been abhorrent to the nations. And really, you can only blame yourselves talking to the Jews, of course, because, well, I don't I warned you this will happen. He says, if you do what I tell you, if you keep my commandments, if you follow the Torah, if you love me with all your heart, you'll be fine. You'll be more than fine. You'll be the head, not the tail. You will lead, not follow. But they did not. All they did was worship their wealth, idols of silver and gold, fertility practices, religion, all these rabbinic rituals and institutions, man-made traditions, kippah, tefillin, talit, synagogues, their buildings. They don't worship Adonai. You talk about the Holocaust, remember the Rothschild family. After World War I, Germany was in shivers. It, it was bankrupt. They went to the Rothschild family, who were pretty much in control of everything. <laughs> they said, we need some money. And the greedy Jews, Rothschild, they said, no. Well, of course Hitler wanted to kill all of them. <laughs> why, why are you even surprised? If they were God-fearing people, they would do what is right. Treat the foreigner with respect. Remember, you were once foreigners yourself. Treat your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do what is right. Do what is good. Give to those who need. But they didn't follow the Torah. They were greedy capitalists. They worshipped their money, not their God. Well, their money was their God, so <laughs> I take that back. They did worship their God, just not the God, not yod heh vav -Hey. And they brought reproach upon the entire Jewish people who themselves worshipped their businesses. See, they could have left Germany 1917 when the Balfour Declaration came out, said you can go and start building a national home in Israel, but they did not want to. Even in the early 1930s, when the Nazis came into power, they said, you can leave, but you gotta leave your possessions here. You can't take your business, you can't take your wealth, you can take your life and get out of here. Did they? No. 
because they worshipped their money. They worshipped their wealth. See, there's no difference from the Israelites leaving Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And the same thing those people. They don't want to walk in the desert receiving manna from heaven. They don't even trust in the Lord. Most of them don't even believe. Sure, they wear black hats, black suits, a kippah, and go to synagogue on Shabbos, read from the Siddur, but what is that? That's nothing. That's not even in the Torah. Nowhere in the Torah does it tell you to be religious, practice all these godless, meaningless rituals. You do not need a kippah on your head to have a fear of God. You need to tremble at his word and do exactly what he says, not leaning to the left or to the right. Adonai is very specific. He knows how to speak for himself. Do you really think that the God who said, let there be light and there was light, does not know how to say what he means and means what he says? He never told you to separate meat from dairy. He said, do not cook a young animal in its mother's milk, which was a pagan fertility practice for the blessing of the yield of the field, for the produce, very similar to dipping the eggs in blood, the practice of Ishtar, which now is celebrated as Easter in the Christian diaspora, has nothing to do with eating anything. Chickens don't even have milk. He said it in regards to the Shlosha Regalim, when you come to present yourself to Adonai and bring the first fruits of your field. Do not practice these things, because Adonai is the source of your blessing, not witchcraft, not pagan deities, not this and that, and all the rest of those Canaanite deities that are no gods at all, only yod Vave. And that's what you read when you actually put your tefillin. See, the tefillin is not the commandment, but if you already are doing it, don't you know what it says? He said, keep my Torah and I will bless you. Do everything I have commanded you to do, and I will bring you the rain in the right seasons, and I will bless the fruit of the field and the fruit of the womb, and everything you do will become blessed, given that you keep his Torah. So don't practice those pagan fertility practices by boiling a young animal in its mother's milk to try to satisfy the angry gods. It's demonic, and Adonai detests it because he is holy. He called us to be holy. Be holy for I am holy, is what he said. Has nothing to do with the separation of meat and dairy. And holy means unlike anything else, set apart. Do not be like those nations which I have driven ahead of you, who practiced all of this horrible, detestable, abominable things, homosexual sex, sexual immorality, murdering people for fun, killing young animals, boiling them in cruel ways, in their mother's milk, something that is supposed to give life. Do not do what the Canaanites have done. That's what it means to be holy. Be separated. But look around you. Is Israel separated? No. Israel has become a perfect duplication of the godless states of America. 
the most abominable nation on planet Earth, the whore of Babylon. And we are leading the charge with our abomination parades in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, participating in the Olympics from Mount Olympus of the Greek pagan gods with our secular government, with businesses operating seven days a week, violating the Sabbath, supporting abortions. Israel is one of the most godless states on this planet. And what do you think? God is just gonna forgive their sins because we are under grace and not the law? No, judgment is coming. There is really no reason for you to ever brag about being Jewish. 90% of your history is wickedness and rebellion. The entire Tanakh rebukes you for not doing what God says. And yet, he says, your descendants and your name continue. But not because of you, but because of him. Because he made a covenant, and he, unlike you, is faithful. Now verse 23. Every month on Rosh Chodesh, that is the beginning of the month, the new moon feast, because God's calendar is based on the moon, not the sun. God's calendar goes from new moon to new moon in 30-day cycles. It's not a Jewish calendar, it is God's calendar. Rosh Chodesh is a feast day, a celebration. And then it says every week on Shabbat. Whew. Now that's powerful. Listen to this. Every week on Shabbat. Not Sunday. Not the first, not the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth day of the week. But Shabbat, the seventh day of the week. Shabbat, Sabbath, what you call Saturday. But it's not Saturday because it is not based on Saturn. It is the Shabbat of Adonai. Shabbat comes from the word rest. Every week on Shabbat, everyone living will come to worship in my presence, says Adonai. So I'm confused. Adonai himself says, talking about the millennial age now, about, you know, the future. And he says that everyone, every month, on the Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat will come to worship in his presence. And yet, for some reason, you think that you can worship on the Sunday, the day of the sun. Worshipping the sun instead of the one who made the sun. If they did that in the past, they will do that in the future. And Yeshua said that not a single letter will be removed from the Torah. Why on earth do you worship on Sunday and not the Sabbath, the day that Adonai himself declared holy when he rested on the seventh day after creating the universe in six? Where do you get that from, you bunch of devils? Stop bringing reproach on the name of Adonai and on Yeshua, the one whom you call your Savior. He is not. He is neither your Lord nor your Savior. Lord meaning you obey. He is your master, but he is not. You do not do what he says. And what did he say? If you love me, keep my commandments. So you testify about yourself. You do not love him because you do not keep his commandments. And if you do not keep his commandments, well, what did I read? What was it, the third verse in this chapter? You will be destroyed. <laughs> you might as well kill a person as an ox 
it doesn't matter what you do because you're not keeping the commandments. Now, let me close with this because this is, I think, one of the most powerful verses in this chapter, verse 24. As they live, talking about everyone who is coming to worship on Shabbat, they will look on the corpses of the people who rebelled against me. Wow. Listen, you have the wrong view of the new Yerushalayim. All these pictures of a fairy tale, some city floating in. Now, as they live, they will look on the corpses of the people who rebelled against me. For their worm will never die, and their fire will never be quenched. But they will be abhorrent to all humanity. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Did you listen to what I just read to you? When you leave and enter Yerushalayim, it's going to be surrounded by burning corpses of all who rebelled against him as a constant, continual reminder for you of the consequences of sin. You think sin is what you see on TV? Oh, baby, baby. No. Lashful debaucheries and Vegas buffets and, and sex parties? No. This is sin. This is the wages of sin, the corpses of the people. Their worm will never die. Their fire will never be quenched. They will be abhorrent to all humanity so that you constantly see the result of sin. And remember that sin is not your friend. Sin is not good. It does not give you pleasure. It does not give you life. It is not your friend. I don't get why you don't get it. It is so simple. It is so easy to understand. The word of God is so sharp. The reason you don't get it is because you don't want to. See, you're just like the atheists. What did I just read to you? All the corpses. They are the abhorrence to all humanity as a reminder of the consequence of sin. Have you looked around you? All those fossils? What do you think they are? Well, the fossils have evolved over millions of years. No, they haven't. Fossils cannot evolve. They cannot develop over millions of years. They have to be buried very quickly by sediment before the bone structure tears apart. You cannot have a fossil over a million years. It's impossible. It will already rot. The waters will shake it. It will be all over the place. And some fossils have been fossilized. You see a fish in the middle of eating another fish. You see a couple of animals mating, fossilized at the exact time of their mating. It happened very quickly. And there is only one explanation for all those fossils all over the earth, and that is the flood, the global flood, the disastrous, the most disastrous event that ever happened on this earth, the flood in the days of Noah. It wasn't just rain. It was volcanic eruptions. It was the tearing of the tectonic plates, the movement, the restructuring of the entire earth from the mega continent known as Pangaea now to the world as we know it today. 
After all, in the first chapter he says, all the waters gathered together in one place. There were no seas, it was one place, and the land appeared. It was after the flood that the whole earth restructured itself, which also explains how it was flooded so easily. You know, you can't really cover the Himalayas with water, but there were no Himalayas. The earth was much flatter than it is today. And all these fossils that Adonai left for us all over the earth, all over the planet, as a reminder of the consequence of sin. And yet we see fossils, we get excited, we want to frame it, put it in our bedroom. Oh, look at that fossil, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dare you do that with those corpses, with the fire never quenching, the abhorrence to all humanity. See, you have taken something so serious, so sharp, so severe, so real, and turn it into a joke, into a fantasy book, into a book club, something for the children. For the children, for Bible camp. What the heck is Bible camp? There is no camp. It is you fathers raising your sons, training them for war, for the battlefield. This is serious business. Have you not understand everything from what I read to you? All these people will all be destroyed together. Those slain by Adonai will be many. Fire, sword, famine, blazing fire. This is serious business. Adonai is not laughing. He is not joking with you. He is not playing. If you keep ignoring his commandments and keep devouring your unclean foods, unclean animals, thinking that you worship when you really are not, thinking that you clean when you really are defiled, walking around in arrogance as if you understand anything when you have no idea what you are reading, you will be destroyed. You are not going to be the least of heaven. You are not going to be in the kingdom of heaven, period. You are going to be destroyed due to your rebellion. He says, this is the kind of person on whom I look with favor, the one with a poor and humble spirit. Humble yourselves, you fools. Tremble at his word. Tremble. Fall down on your face. Let those tears come out. Tear up that shirt. Put ashes on your head. Start fasting. Deny yourself. Humble yourselves. Weep and mourn. Death is coming for you. Judgment is coming for you. Disaster is coming for you. And hell is coming with it. Repent. Repent.